Welcome to the Community Pioneers podcast with me, Chris Smith. In this podcast, we're going to talk to Colin Mackey, who's been involved in delivering online community health and well-being sessions. That means quizzes, karaoke, history talks, presentations, etc. through a Facebook group. They've been using Facebook Live in sessions called Live from Our Living Room. During the whole of the first major lockdown, they streamed directly from Mackie Mansions every night for nearly a year. And even now, they're still streaming four nights a week. So it was really great to get to Colin in a moment of downtime to come into the pod and talk. But can I just say, as we start this recording, I'm smiling already. And the reason I'm smiling is because of our Facebook page. Would you like to introduce it to everyone? Yeah, well, my name's Colin McKen. We run the, the Life life from Our Living Room Facebook page, and it was basically set up to, to the last big major lockdown to just encourage, give people an option to get out of the COVID box for a wee bit and have some fun and just enjoy themselves and relax for a wee while. Colin, I mean, that's underplaying it. I mean, it is just the funniest things. Well, there's a whole range of, it's from bingo to karaoke, there's jokes, there's pictures. It's a very warm, I would say, a kind space in the internet. Yeah. Hmm. It, it was kind of like that. I mean, in a sense, I agree with you there, Chris. It, it was like a virtual kind of idea, a virtual kind of welcome you. If you couldn't physically come into a living room, we try to make it that way, like you would, you're actually going to be in here. And it's to extend a welcome and a warmth. And again, the humour aspect of it and the kind of so many options for people to get involved in different new projects in it and different activities. And it seems to be working, which is great. So how did it all start? Well, it's, well, again, like a lot of people and lots of groups and individuals, uh, the big first lockdown that happened in March last year, we, my wife and I just sat and said, look, we're going to have to do something. We've done wee things before. We've tried we our hand at different stuff. Said, why don't we do a wee quiz? So I started off and it was a, a Glasgow quiz. We've got a friend that's a historian. He gave us some questions. I set up a wee whiteboard. That was my that was my big step. I got a whiteboard and I drew my own title on it and I sat on the couch. My wife said, right, you need to get a nice throw. So we've got a, a tartan throw behind me. And I just went on and said, right, hi, welcome to live. And it was quite it was quite bizarre watching it. Now it was like, I was quite kind of nervous. Welcome to live from our living room. And it was like, is this going to work? Did the wee quiz, flung it out there. And my wife was watching on the other phone and any comments coming in, we were answering questions or oh, such and such a person's came in and they're all saying hello, and other folk are saying hello to each other, and we came off it, and we went, that felt really good, and for us, again, Chris, it was like, for us, it, well, it was kind of like a good wee bit of therapy for us as well, we felt good after, and said, well, we'll try it again tomorrow night, and that's where it kind of kicked off. And what was the reaction from, from the participants? Well, a lot of them are quite kind of, there was that much going on, on, on YouTube and stuff like that, and a lot of people came on through Facebook, a lot more people use it, as you know, and they were kind of quite, they enjoyed it, and it was people that knew us come on at first, and then obviously people that they knew, they passed it on and they came in, and it was quite a warm kind of, there was jokes coming in as well, and then comments coming in, I never knew that about Glasgow, and then it was child, people with their families coming in, and they were setting questions to them, and it came, it was a nice wee kind of ripple going out that everybody was enjoying it, and you weren't getting on in such, it was like a hard quiz kind of thing, it was kind of done relaxed and informal, if you like, and that seemed to kind of, just tick a lot of boxes with people and they, they really just they took the hook, if you like. And what kind of things have you added to it? Because I see that you did start with a quiz, but it now it seems to be there's something for everyone. Yeah, well, it's, it, it's, it's as my granny would say, it's grey legs and it started running. 
basically we started off with a quiz. Then we decided to do we did we did the karaoke on a Saturday night. We started doing that. Then we did kind of like we questions and answer sessions. And then we we did the ask the host sessions as well, where people could just ask us any questions they want. We did topics. Uh, we just basically spoke about anything they wanted to talk about. A wee open session. I do we experiences like making how to make your own play doh games for kids, songs for people to do. And I even read some stories for a couple of members who had their children. Because again, it was affecting everybody different, Chris, and a lot of children are finding it difficult uh, being stuck in the house. So I decided with my early years background to do some reading stories and books and some rhymes. And then it just started to expand. And then people flung in wee ideas. Could you try that and try this? So it's kind of a lot of good interaction with other people coming in as well. So what kind of ideas were thrown in from the uh, from the members? Well, there was the, the karaoke one was kind of like that. That was the biggest one that came in because a lot of people, um, they like it was like linking with the Saturday night sing song because my background, like a lot of Glaswegians, was a Saturday night at my granny's and the songs and the, the, the microphone getting passed through and the real to real my granda had. And you all picked a song and everybody, one singer, one song. And we said, well, somebody said, what about a karaoke? I said, well, well, we'll keep it to the group and we'll be non-critical. You can sing any way you want. I said, I've, I can't criticise anybody if you hear my singing. Because, I mean, that's a classic. I like the Billy Connolly statement. I like to shut my eyes when I sing because I hate to see people suffer. And people come in and then the people singing from behind cushions because they're only confident enough. And we said, well, that's a start. And those people that sang behind an ornament, somebody put an ornament up and a teddy bear, but that was them, that was their confidence. And now they've come out and they've started singing face on camera. And it's been fantastic. And that was that started off with just somebody saying, well, what about a sing song? And it's came the Saturday night regular karaoke slot now. So what kind of things do you think you're going to have to build into the uh, into the future of um, episodes? Uh, do you call them episodes or is it just... We just well, we kind of call them, it's kind of like sessions. We just, we just do sessions. Uh, uh, but we've, we've got wee ideas. We've, we've actually working on some ideas. I know there's restrictions as in meeting up with folk, but the distancing. But once you can actually go and link up, we're actually thinking of going out and putting in for some kind of funding and going to somebody like maybe like some of our members have got wee verandas or landings. We can go and meet them, like meeting somebody in your landing and go and actually physically set a mic up outside their door and say, right, this time they're going to sing at your doorstep. Here's a song and it'll be their wee party piece and that's going to go and live with their, with their consent, of course. But we know there's a lot of them who be tuning at the bit to go for it. But then you're going to get involved. They might want to dress up. Well, that's a good thing. They might want to dress up for it. There's a whole new scope for that aspect of it. It sounds to me like you're actually asking for this lockdown to continue. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's, it's again, it's been our way of dealing with it, and it's people are saying, but well, that was a big thing as well when it was when it was kind of like leveling off a bit. People are going, well, you're, you're not going to stop doing it, are you? But we did it at the start, Chris. We did it seven nights a week. It was an hour every night, but at the same time, you've got the preparation for it and you're winding down for it and. I, I do tend to ride with the, the wave when I'm on it. And my wife says, right, we're finished now. We need to wind down. And they started saying, but you're not going to chuck it. I mean, we're really, and we knew there was people enjoying it in the group that really looked forward to it. So we said, look, we'll cut it down to three, four nights a week. And then we've added wee nights on noon again when the lockdown's been going up and down. And now it's running, uh, we're running at four nights a week. Even though my wife and I are working, we still do it. We still, we're still slotting people into our living room. So they know at nine o'clock, it's on to Facebook for life, we're living in a reschedule. So that's been nice. Why do you think you did this and to start with? Because I mean it's a great idea. And I can see all of the 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 uh, slightly the background. But what made you go, yeah, I can do this? 
it's one of the things I've, I've said. It's one of the things as you get older in life. I mean, whatever age, the age that I'm at just now, I, you tend to look back at your your roots and your upbringing. And my my mum and my dad always said necessity is the mother of all invention. And I think COVID gave us a wee push to try things different, open the box if you like. And it was always that kind of like community aspect of it. The background that I came from, I came from a community in Oaklands, uh, along for the Gorbos, a very strong community. Everybody knew everybody and his shops were on the air. You didn't need to go to the town. And it was one of the kind of things, help your neighbours and be nice, nice to be nice. And it was just one of the things saying, we need to do something. We're sitting in the house. We can't go, go for your exercise. Even when we did the exercise, I was going to, for walks and filming it and talking to people while I was out filming. They were coming on live and going, where are you going to now? I'm passing by this show. I've not been there for years. It's just, it was just, a, it just felt natural. A kind of nice thing to do for folk, to be honest. Well, that's great. And what plans have you got for the uh, for the future, apart from appearing on people's doorsteps and with a microphone? Are there any other things which you kind of can secretly or exclusively reveal to our listeners that you you're you're planning? Well, it's secretly exclusive. We're going to we actually spoke in the group a while back about doing a some of the songs, doing a kind of lockdown session kind of thing, and bringing out a promotional a VCD to raise funds for some of the projects we get involved in. We're also going to really kind of push forward with the activity education packs because we did some um, one-to-one Zoom sessions with some of the younger members of the groups with the parents' cons- consent. And we're doing like literacy and numeracy in a fun way, in a fun way, and taught some of the children some sign language and different things. And, and it really did, they did like it. So we're going to expand on doing like set up packs. So we can, we did that as well. So we can go and visit folk drop them off a pack, as well as other groups need to do it, but here's a pack for you that links up with your recession and will try and help you with stuff and then encourage them to, to maybe, once they can do it, to venture out to the community and uh, benefit from other um, resources within the community and other kind of locations that they can maybe learn from. Well, that, that sounds fantastic. But listen, Colin, you've got form in terms of educating and informing people, haven't you? I'm thinking specifically of your involvement with the Southern Necropolis. Tell us, how did that, how did that all start? Well, uh, what happened was back back in, way back before the internet, or when the internet was starting back in 1988, if people can remember that, um, and computers used to take about 15 minutes to, to warm up. We used to, uh, we start, there was a project started by a late, the late Charlotte Hutt, who was an English guidance teacher from Adelphi Second in the Gorbals. She set up the Southern Acropolis Research Project. And it was basically her idea was to record the cemetery in the Southern Acropolis and the Gorbals and any characters that came up, record the information about it, get it on a database, which was quite um, unique and pioneering at that time. So people could type in a name or a surname and a layer number would come up or information. You could go and find out where they were. So Charlotte started the project in 1988. And as I was an ex-pupil, I went along for an interview. And thankfully, I got I got the job then. I was with the project for two and a half years and they lost the funding. But what happened was I, I just got the, the, the selling the cropper's bug. And I've been connected with the cemetery for uh, 31 years. And I've, I've, earned, I've earned the nickname The Happy Reaper, believe it or not. And what was the thing that, that hooked you with this? I think the fact is, living, like a lot of people that live in areas in all cities, there's all possibly somewhere in your area that you've never, you passed it every day and you didn't really realise it was there. In the Southern Necropolis, when I was at school, I never really got a lot of, an awful lot of local history. I got the First World War, Second World War, I got the Egyptians, the Romans and the Bronze Age, etc. But I never get really like on your doorstep type history. 
And when we went to Sir Necropolis, I never realised, I maybe possibly knew about Sir Thomas Lipton in the team. My granny told me there was Lipton shops and I never knew he was buried in there. And then Alexander Greek Thompson, who is this guy? And we will invite the blind flute player. And as soon as you started to find out, it was like, this is it, it expands your knowledge and you start doing your wee detective. And it, it just got me hooked. And I said, I never realised these people actually came. Sir Thomas Lipton had a shop and his, his family lived in Crown Street in the Gorbo. So that kind of, it kind of pulled me into that side of it. And what was the most amazing thing that you learned that, that really surprised you about the uh, when you first started to learn about this place? Well, the, the fact is that like a lot of people even today, when you, you first enter the cell and the crop is through the gatehouse arch at Caledonia Road, you get the impression you walk in, it, it looks quite it looks quite a large area, but that's just the central section. And you walk up, you go to your left, it's eastern. To your right is the western expanse, and the whole cemetery is 19 acres in size. You can pass by in a bus in about 30 seconds, or walk by in about 10 minutes. Just walk by, and you don't. I never realised just how large it was, and that that just to this day it still amazes me that there's a quarter of a million people buried in there. And it's at that time I was just gobsmacked by it, by the size of it. Now, are there any particular stories of people who are buried there that stand out for you? Well, one of the iconic ones that we use, we've done projects with the local schools, and the one that's quite inspiring is, again, Sir Thomas Lipton, starting from a, a background in a tenement in Crown Street. And we use him as a, a, a kind of a role model for young children because he came from a background of a Glasgow tenement and a close that was nicknamed the Millionaires Close because three guys came from that close, including him, became millionaires. And basically, if you read up from Sir Thomas Lipton, he used to go down to the Law with a wheel wheelbarrow, a barra, and he would he'd meet the boats there and bringing stuff off the boats. And he would barter with some of the guys that were there and try and get stuff cheaper. And he went to America as a cabin boy and came back to the States and, and spoke to his father. He was influenced by all the department stores in America. And apparently his dad kind of was trying to encourage him to slow down, don't get above your means. And within the, the age of 30, Sir Thomas Lipton was a multi-millionaire. He never forgot his roots, Chris, and he always had a love for Glasgow and the Gorbals, and he's quite inspirational when you read there's that much. He was way ahead of his time, way ahead of his time. What's been happening there during the uh, during the lockdown period? Well, ironically, in a positive sense, the, the cellar necropolis, uh, obviously necropolis is Latin for city of the dead. The city of the, city of the dead has been supporting and helping the city of the living because uh, a lot more people have come in. A lot of local people have rediscovered it. Uh, and a lot of visitors coming within local areas have come into the cemetery, never realised it was there, passed by it, got to work and just ventured in. And they've really been surprised. It just it's like, it's like a hidden gem. And again, a lot of people are finding uh, kind of comfort in walking around it, especially just now they're coming in. We've got a bench in it, there's seats in it, they can sit. At the weekend, you get the quietness because industrial estate's not running behind it. You can hear birds you can see butterflies and bees. Children come in with their bikes. And um, we've even got children in just now doing me litter picks for us and, and they're getting really annoyed that some of the litter is getting left. And that's flagging up your kind of ethos of appreciating your environment. So what are the plans for when it opens up? I mean, do you think this level of interest is going to be continuing? Well, going by what we've heard from people that's come in and visited us just now, there's been a kind of an increase. Uh, want to find out more about it. We've got a an on-site heritage trail in the cemetery. It's got um, 31 characters in it and basically it links up with a, a, a physical kind of brochure that we've got that we give out to people and they can use a map and find out biographies and it tells them about the characters. There's then again, 
the big dream for the Southern Acropolis is to get the Charles Wilson Gatehouse. And Charles Wilson's buried in the cemetery. The architect also designed parts, parts of Park Circus and Rutherland Town Hall, etc. We were last that an interim report was done and it was estimated at a million and a half to restore it. So that's a big dream, Chris, to get it restored and get people to come down and visit it. And there's also a wee, a, a sub-penciled-in dream to get a wee, uh, we're going to call it the Crypt Cafe at the side of the gatehouse for people to come down and come in for a cup of tea and learn about the cemetery and get involved in educational and historical projects. So it's there's lots of lots of things in the in the, the pipeline. Hopefully, it's just getting the, the, the right funding streams for it if, if we can do that. But you must be really encouraged by the the thought that lots of youngsters are getting involved in this because sometimes these kind of um, historical um, initiatives are sometimes um, taken over by folk of, of more mature years, aren't they? Well, th- that was the thing again. Uh, again, going back to my background, I haven't um, getting taught local hi- not, not getting taught enough local history at school. We've been fortunate. We've we got some funding a few years back for the lottery. And we did a resurrecting and preserving history project. We went into schools, uh, local schools, and two primary schools in the area, and one not so far away. And we did the project with them. We brought the children, the primary school kids, into the cemetery again. A lot of local kids never realised it was there. And one wee girl was so chuffed. We, we asked them to do a PowerPoint presentation as part of it, or a, or a talk. And the wee girl came in and she was she held out a bottle of Lipton's iced tea that she bought for the co-op, the co-op and she never realised that this guy came for the gorbals. And again, if you bring younger children at that age, it gives them an ownership and it gives them a pride in their area and, and they feel part of it. And the, 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 the hope is that they'll respect it as they grow older. And it seems to be it seems to be working. It seems to be working. So Colin, this sounds really great, but I'm sure there's lots of redevelopment going on in all sorts of areas of, in Glasgow right now. Is it, are you, Can you highlight anything that you would kind of concern you about this, this development, particularly with respect to the southern necropolis? Well, the iconic uh, op- option that we'd be looking at all the time is, is the gatehouse. The gatehouse is sitting there. The gatehouse has been there. It was built in 1848, designed by Charles Wilson. It survived two world wars. It survived a uh, high-rise, two high-rise flats facing it being demolished, and it's sitting there, and it needs, as I say, it needs about a million and a half to restore it. But there's been a lot of buildings in the area in the Gorbals that we've lost a lot of older buildings. But again, regeneration doesn't always mean to say you've got to get rid of the old and bring in the new. Regeneration means you enhance the old that we've got and you let the younger and the, the community they say now value what they've got. And hopefully in the future, our, our fingers crossed hope is that the gatehouse will be restored. Schools can come down, community group. We've, we've been told by the local schools, if that gatehouse was up and running, they would phone us at a drop of hat and say, look, Colin, We've got an hour or two hours to fill for an art session, history session. Can we come into the gatehouse and get some stuff? It would be a great hub. And then we could actually encourage visitors to come down. We could let them look at the archive documents, photographs, access the internet from a unique um, a unique gatehouse building. So that's the big dream in the future. That Two years from now when I'm talking to you, Chris, I'll invite you down to the gatehouse for a cup of tea and a wee look at the sun on the crop with the roof. Okay, I'll hold you to that. And I'll put the, uh, the links to... Uh obviously to the group up on the, uh, on the programme notes of the company's podcast. But listen, as we, our time comes to an end, Colin, uh, really thanks so much for being, put a smile on my face in terms of everything that you're doing on Facebook. You definitely got me uh, hooked on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and have a look at what's going on in the Southern Necropolis because, again, this kind of stuff 
the cemeteries all over the country mm-hmm. um, that probably have got stories in there that we've walked past yeah. that we should discover. So thanks again for your time. Thanks very much, Chris, for allowing us to be platform to flag up what we've been doing. Thanks very much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, and I hope it brought a smile to your face. Live from our living room is still streaming on Facebook, and the link is included in the program notes. And I've included a link to the Southern Necropolis. And as you can guess, it is a place I'm going to visit on my travels. So thanks again, Colin, for sharing and for doing all that great work within the community, within the Gorbals. And if you have been, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.